Welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Whether you're listening on Fox Sports Radio 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you're catching this episode, we're bringing you, as always, the latest in sports news, entertainment, or music. I hope you're ready because a new episode of Beyond the Headlines is loading in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, yeah. It's time to go beyond the headlines Cause I don't put in overtime just so I can headline Okay, now it's Fox Sports, I'm live with Renee Going hard every day, sports rapping every play Different segments for your favorites Coming at you daily with positive vibes Yeah, we some game changers Basketball, football, soccer With different interviews, you never know who may pop up Listen, only on Beyond the Headlines This is Beyond the Headlines Only on Beyond the Headlines This is Beyond the Headlines only on Beyond the Headlines. This is Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. We are live with a very special guest, the one and only Jalen Agnew from the Atlanta Dream, WNBA player, joining us here as she's rehabbing back from her torn ACL. Jalen joining us from Wichita, Kansas. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. I am doing good. How about you? Doing pretty well. Um, can't complain, aside from just battling a, a loud smoke detector for everybody tuning in right now. I apologize in advance. There it is. I tried to fix it. It's not, you know, it just wants to be a part of the show, apparently. So okay. one of these days, I will get that fixed. Don't you worry. <laughs> I apologize because I'm sure everyone can hear my dog in the background and she's outside freaking out. So, you know, I have a dog that wants to be a part of the show and you have the smoke detector. So I guess we have <laughs> two things. <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Not letting us be great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I definitely want you to just fill people in. I know right now uh, you're rehabbing from your 20 ACL. Just let people know kind of what that process is, where you are in your rehab, and the timeline that you're looking at to get back on the court. Yeah, um, it's been quite a process. Um, I had surgery at the beginning of January. Um, I've just started jogging recently, and so getting back to that, um, which is, you know, you don't think it's that hard, but then, you know, going through it, it's definitely a challenge. You know, you're so used to jogging normally, and then you figure out that you can't do that right away. <laughs> so that's been an adjustment. Um, but yeah, I was hoping, I mean, I'm on the court doing what I can now in terms of shooting and ball handling. Um, but yeah, just hoping to be able to be ready for this um, upcoming overseas season, really. Yes, yes. And unfortunately, um, you know, for, for any injury, especially an injury such as an ACL, you do find yourself just kind of having to start from scratch. You know, it forces you to take, it's about a year rehab, give or take until you're back to full strength. It forces you to have to relearn how to walk, how to run, how to do all the little things again. But it is something that you can't rush, you know, and you want to make sure you're taking your time to get back. So um, is this your first major, major injury that you've dealt with and just working back from uh, in the course of your career? Yep, it is my first major one. So um, like you said, it takes a lot of patience, which um, normally I don't have. So this has been a challenge <laughs> for me in multiple ways. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's been, like I said, a challenge. <laughs> yes, yes. We won't overly dawn on the injury itself. We're just happy that you're rehabbing, you're working back, you'll be back sooner than later. Um, but for you, just take us through having the opportunity to come into the league at such a special time. You know, you're a young player in the midst of the transition of the WNBA. 
on so many levels, being a part of many conversations around social justice, being a part of the change for women in sports in general. You know, I, I can't relate from the professional side as a basketball player, but I can from a soccer player of my experience of what it's just like trying to play the game you love and not really giving the reward that you deserve. So for you being a young player in, in the midst of this change, you know, how special has this been to take us through being a part of the league at this time? Yeah, it's super special. You know, um, you know, everyone that asked me about it, I just talk about how, like you said, special it was to even be a part of it. Um, all of the season last year, you know, social justice was um, at the forefront for us in, during the season. And you really could see that in everything that we did, whether it's social media, on the court, during games. Um, and so, yeah, it was just really special to be a part of. And for that being my first year, um, you know, it, it was a year unlike any other. And um, I was just super fortunate to be in the league at that time. So, um, yeah, but it's and I always say it's so cool just to see everyone come together. Um, you know, some I mean, a lot of we we're probably like the first one of the first really um, professional leagues that has really come together like that. And so I thought that was really special to be a part of. Yes, yes. And and uh, we do have a comment for you from uh, The Real Deal. Good fan of mine, a good friend of mine, I should say, excuse me. Uh, minor setback for a major comeback. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> um, yes, yes. That's the motto. Minor, minor setback for a major comeback. So thank right. you for that. But as you're mentioning, even just being a part of such a big moment in, in history, you know, I don't think enough people really realize the fact that we are in the midst of something that we're going to look back on 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now and realize, holy crap, this is something we'll be telling our kids and grandkids about. So even being a part of the wobble, um, being a part of the league mm -hmm. and, and that aspect of these things that are brand new for everybody, while you're also adjusting to what's the first year and the your first opportunity in the WNBA, um, how exciting, overwhelming, like what were the emotions of that? You know, take us back a year ago, uh, which now feels like it was so long ago, but it really was not. <laughs> yeah, it was just super exciting. Um, definitely, you know, you go into the league and um, if it was a normal year, you know, you'd be going to places and seeing people, but just seeing like the stars you grew up watching every single day, whether, you know, it was riding their bikes or like out at the pool. Like it was just so crazy just to walk up and like be by someone you've grown up watching your whole life, you know? I think that was the coolest thing was just like the actual like access to everyone that you had. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was just super exciting. And like you said, it was a first for everyone. So I um, wasn't the only one in that boat, but um, yeah, it was just an unreal experience. Like you said, like nothing ever has been done before. Um, and again, I'm super grateful to have been a part of it. Um, yeah, and there will definitely be a lot of stories um, from that. And I'm excited for the um, film, the ESPN film coming out on Thursday. Um, so I'm excited to see what, what's all featured there. Yes, yes. And something that you said, like it was the first for you, but it was the first for everybody too. Like everybody has different experiences. For you, it was the first where you were uh, coming into the, the WNBA in the wobble, everything was new. But for others, it was maybe just a little unique instead of going and traveling and, and facing teams on the road and having home games, everybody's in Florida together. But I also definitely want to get into that point you make about being able to have more access. What, Which player or which moment was it where you really had that jaw-dropping, I'm here moment as you had a chance to stand next to a player, you know, specifically that you maybe looked up to growing up as a kid? 
Um, I mean, there are a couple. I mean, <laughs> just like we were couple, um, couple of teammates and I, we were in, we were like eating dinner and Candace Parker came in and she had just got done golfing and she asked us like if we played and I was like, yeah, I play. <laughs> like I was a little nervous. <laughs> and then, I mean, um, seeing Sue and um, Diana, just, you know, everyone, even like, cause Megan Rapino was there and she was behind me in line at COVID testing one time. So I was like trying to freak out then. So it's literally just, you would walk around and see someone and like, it was just crazy. I'm like, Oh, there's so-and-so again for the third time today. Or you'd be oh, riding wow. bikes and like, people would say hi. And you're like, hi, like, I know you have no idea who I am, but I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's funny you say that because even as a professional player yourself, I mean, there are so many people that look up to you and here you are, you still have people that you look up to that are still, like in your in your eyes like that idol that that person that you that's a role model that you've always looked up to and it's that that starstruck moment like wow megan rapino standing behind me in line that's not something you have every day happen but i think that is something that the wobble did bring it was a chance for all of you guys as players and even for families to be there together and had the chance to talk about golfing and talk about other things and record videos you know um looking at that experience you know, do you think that it maybe was actually even more of a benefit as a young player, as a rookie, being able to have the chance to have, like, you jump right into it. It's like you're on college campus with every player, you know, instead of just being on college campus with the dream. And that's what I tried to compare it to, to everyone I talked to. Um, it was definitely like college, you know, you have your dining area, you have your little apartment or your hotel room, whichever one you want to stay in. Um, you saw people on campus everywhere. So, um, yeah, so I, I think especially for us rookies, and maybe it was an easier transition for us just because of the fact that it was like college. Because um, we, I remember talking to some of the um, vets, and they were like, "Man, this, this this is way different than what I'm used to." You know, I'm used to having this time, and like now everything's scheduled for us. Um, so yeah, I think definitely for rookies, I think it was an easier transition. Yeah, I, I have to think that it definitely was. A, an adjustment well of course it's an adjustment for everybody but for different reasons you know as you mentioned for some it's kind of like I'm used to the season having control over my time whereas for you coming out of college it's kind of like eh, it's like another year of college <laughs> it's like I'm still back on campus um because I definitely was getting college vibes of like being on campus with everybody and being able to have access to just go knock on someone's door instead of them being a drive or a flight away or anything like that um so as the yeah. season progressed, as you are continuing to be a part of the Wubble and continue to have your experiences um, with the dream, with the team, oh, that rhymes, um, <laughs> in such close, close proximity, you know, how did that help you grow as a player, too? I mean, we talk about on the social side, having a chance to connect and see people that maybe you wouldn't have. But how do you feel that experience, especially since that was the you know year you're able to play and be healthy? How do you think that helped you as a player mature? Uh, from just being able to be around everybody so much. Yeah, I think you just get a better insight into like what pros do, you know? I mean, coming from college is obviously a lot different. You see how people are taking care of their bodies differently. Um, there are a lot of pool workouts that like we did and everyone else did. Um, stuff, you know, that you maybe didn't think you were going to do or you didn't think about at all and then next thing you know you're doing a pull workout and you're like wow I didn't think we we're gonna do this today you know so little stuff like that I mean I mean I know some teams had like hyperbaric chambers that had like they shipped in and all this stuff 
And so just really seeing like how they take care of themselves um, on top of a busy season, I think um, was, was really cool to see and just something that I could take, take from them. Yeah, that is, that is something I think also that was a benefit and a, a blessing of it all is you had a chance to really see what is the recovery like for certain players? You know, even you talk about Candace going golfing and, and walking by you from that. That's something that like you probably, or maybe you did, but you may not have really realized, okay, in her off time, maybe she has a balance where she goes golfing or she does this. So, you know, it is helpful, I feel like, to have had a chance to see just exactly what players put in, the time they put in, the recovery, the, the workouts, the training to, to maintain their, their performance level. So that is, I'm sure, very helpful um, just to have had a chance to see that firsthand. So as you now progress into playing overseas, of course, you you did get injured, which definitely put a change to everything. But did you feel that sense of um, growth, maturity, confidence, even heading into the overseas season that you had? Yeah, definitely. It was, you know, um, kind of had a, at least a little taste of what the pro-life was um, with the bubble or within the bubble, sorry, but um, but overseas is just so different. It's like, you're in a whole co new country, like don't speak any of like the language at all. You have to learn it. Um, for me, my coach didn't speak English either. And so that was an adjustment. We had one of our teammates translate for us. And so, um, yeah, um, they say like overseas is a whole different beast and I would completely agree. That's a little bit of an adjustment. <laughs> yes. Definitely a little bit of an adjustment. So you now go into a whole new environment. So that's something that I don't think a lot of people really understand also is you go into the WNBA, you have that experience, you're in the wobble, which is unique in general. Then you turn around and now you're overseas and you're playing alongside players and coaches that come from completely different cultures, backgrounds, languages, experiences. And it's a whole new experience that you have to learn as well and still continue to perform at a high level, play well, do well. Um, so now I'm definitely more curious to know, even with having someone translating, that still is a gap, a barrier that you have to work through. You know, what's something that your overseas experience taught you about being able to adjust into these different environments? Because in the last year you've had to deal with, well, it's a little more than a year now, but adjusting to the bubble, adjusting to being overseas, and even now adjusting to your injury. It's been a lot that's been thrown at you in such a short amount of time that you've had to pivot and change with. Yeah, it's, um, I think I just learned, you know, again, patience, this, this is the ultimate um, test right now, patience, my knee, but just overseas, you know, like, I mean, when you listen to the coach, you want feedback right away. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I want to know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, and I just can't understand them. So it's very frustrating. But um, just to have patience, you know, with everything um, was, she was super helpful. But she's also on the team. So she's out there playing then, you know, we're sitting there, like, just trying to figure out stuff. And so I think that was, like, again, again, challenging. But um, yeah, it just taught me patience, really, and kind of, um, I think, just to be more open minded, I think, um, just that, you know, these girls are, like you said, from different cultures, don't speak English, and just to um, kind of, like, put myself in their shoes a little bit. Um, but yeah, um, I would say probably those those couple things. Yeah, yeah, that definitely has to teach you patience without a doubt. Um, and I know that we have a, some comments that are coming in and a question as well from Mike Patton, who's asking just how is the atmosphere completely different in general 
playing overseas. And he's also curious to know where you played. So I'm, I always am interested to know because everybody's experience is different. You know, how is that experience? How was that experience for you playing overseas? And you can definitely share some more on that. Yeah. So I played in Russia. Um, and like I said, just, it was, it was challenging, you know, first year. And like I said, my coach didn't speak English where a lot of coaches usually do. Um, I'd also say, you know, just simple things you don't think of, like going to the grocery store. Um, you can go to the grocery store and pick out milk like normally here in the U S and you go to Russia and there's different kinds and you have no idea what the label says. So <laughs> you're just like, Oh, <laughs> this is all right. And just pick it. So like little stuff like that, you don't think of, and it really like is something you have to figure out. Um, but playing was so cool because um, as a lot of people know, a lot of WNBA players do play in the Russian league. So we had a game every night, you know, we were playing against um, ECAT, which I mean, is a gauntlet <laughs> with everyone there with BG, um, Slooty, Allie Quigley, like JJ, Stewie, like literally all of them. Um, then Enrique, you know, um, and Zowie. And then, I mean, I, there are so many other people like that play in Russia. So every, every game was a challenge, but it was so fun to play them, you know, not only, um, in at home but overseas so yeah yeah that's see again something you would take for granted is being able to go to your grocery store i drink two percent milk i know exactly which kind i want i know exactly like, i don't have to think about it i just go right in and it's always in the back of the store of course but i just go right in get my milk done um but even something as simple as off the court dealing with the adjustments of trying to be able to know which type of milk to get or which type of anything to get because you can't read it. And although you may have a translator that's helping you with basketball. And even again, as you mentioned, you're not getting that direct feedback. What about in the grocery store? You know, <laughs> did you have, you don't have that same help. So did you have something specific that you help that you use to help you make that transition even easier to being in a foreign country, to being in a, in a place where you don't know the language and, you don't know as many people and you're adjusting and having to take on so many different things that are new yet again, common theme um, at once. Yeah. I mean, I had another American um, on my team, Peyton Williams. Um, and she, we just, you know, bonded together and just like did stuff together. Like, well, we, we did one, like I get, we'd say solo because we did it without our translator, but just us two, we went into the city, into Moscow and by ourselves. And that was like our biggest, like thing we did because we did it by ourselves and um they even using like a taxi or like uber over there is difficult so um yeah but i think we just really stuck together um and helped each other through it and i think that was it was super beneficial to have another american um on the team with me um because even you know when we miss home thankfully i like brought like an apple tv and stuff got a vpn ah. able to like get shows so we like have like movie nights and everything so made it a little more easy and definitely a little more normal <laughs> yeah finding something the the little things you know like being able to of course have somebody that also speaks english but as you mentioned having an apple tv so you can now watch some shows and keep up and have some something that feels like home too exactly. um but you know i think that's as we're continuing to talk through and and I, it's something that I have to imagine that while you were in it, you didn't really realize as much. But now when you look back, you realize just how many things, challenges, changes you dealt with in such a quick time on top of a pandemic, on top of all that 2020 brought. 
that is a lot to handle. So I know I was ironically just having a conversation around the mental toughness that you have as an athlete that we have to have. Not that I'm an athlete anymore. I say we like I still play, but <laughs> that you have to <laughs> athlete at heart. Um, the mental toughness that you have to have as an athlete to be able to deal with so much adversity. And that's usually focused more on the court, on the field, in the pool, on the track. But it's more than just that. It's all the things like being able to go to the grocery store, like knowing what language and what people are saying around you. So I'm curious to know for you at you know, this time in your life, having dealt with all these different challenges, the mentality, the approach that you bring to be able to figure out ways to work around them and, and not let it slow you down or, or stress you out or anything, just having that balance of being able to handle it, accept it and work through it. Yeah. Um, if anyone that knows me in high school, was not mentally tough at all. I was yeah, super down on myself. Um, I was always hard on myself. And I think, you know, throughout the years, I'm um, just maturing, getting older. I think um, one thing I've kept in my mind is just to stay positive about everything. Um, things aren't going your way. Stuff's happening um, just to just to stay positive because that can help you in so many different ways. Um, and so, you know, with the, Russia, with hurt, getting hurt, you know, um, it's been it's been a challenge. It's been hard. But I've just tried to stay positive throughout the whole thing. Um, work hard, do what I can do without doing too much, that type of stuff. Um, and yeah, it's, it is, it is a grind physically and mentally, um, in all aspects. And it really, um, really is tough. And for the people that, yeah, that don't really know overseas, um, just take it, listen to everyone and, and know that it's really challenging. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that it is. Um, I do know a number of people and that it's always challenging for a different reason, but it's definitely challenging. That's for sure. Being in a different environment and um, adjusting, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible the way that sports can bring you to so many different um, opportunities and allow you to meet different people and, you know, allow you to learn so much about yourself, but it also does challenge you, especially when you are, stepping into new environments. So, you know, for you with your game, you know, I have to think that as you've grown and dealt with different challenges, I know we're talking about more recent ones over the last year or so, but what have you tried to stick to that you bring to the floor, you know, that you look to do that, that is Jalen Agnew, you know, what is it that you bring that you, you know, feel helps you in any team, in any environment, whether you are in the WNBA, overseas, whatever it may be that you're always going to bring to the floor to help your team. I would say my ability to shoot. Um, I am a shooter. Um, if anyone doesn't know that I am a shooter and um, will gladly shoot any open shot that I have. Um, and so that's, you know, whether they're falling or not falling, you know, they say to keep shooting. And so I've definitely learned that um, over the last, last couple of years as well. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's like the biggest thing that I, bring to a team absolutely i was hoping you would say that <laughs> shoot or shoot and we and you know it <laughs> no hesitation ask me anytime it'll be the same answer i get that yes <laughs> um but even that is the the toughness of knowing that when you are a shooter there's going to be those days that your shots aren't falling there's going to be those days where you can't miss um and that's part of it that's part of it as well is just knowing the balance of having and having you know, the confidence that no matter what, this is what you bring in the floor and you're always going to shoot and you're always going to do your role and do your part in that sense. But, you know, for the WNBA season, I know you're, you're home rehabbing. 
It is an incredible year. We look back on the momentum that came from the, what the Wubble brought and allowing more conversations to happen and allowing the players to be really at the forefront of, of you know, the social justice movement and so much change. And I agree, they definitely need to be celebrated for how, you know, you guys specifically within the WNBA have led a lot within our society. And also even as women, and what we're fighting for, for equality and opportunities and equal pay and equal, you know, um, the same sort of resources and, and everything that we are constantly fighting for. Mm -hmm. um, but the greatest thing that I that I like about it is it is the next generation. You're a little bit younger than me. So I will say that, mm -hmm. in, you know, your generation. <laughs> but <laughs> but even just being a part of the conversation and, and having like we're doing right now. You know, what is something that you are you are looking to do, even though you're not in Atlanta right now, you're still part of the team. You're still you're still part of the league. You're still part of all the greatness that's going on. You know, how have you been really kind of finding your own way to help the bigger the bigger cause that that's we're all fighting for in that sense? Yeah, I mean, with my inability to, you know, be there right now and everything, I really am just trying to get everyone tuned into the league and see what they're doing, you know, like. Um, some people that I know, they're like, well, um, you're not playing this year, so we might get rid of League Pass. I was like, um, don't get rid of League Pass. I need to be watching all the games. And they're like, okay, never mind. I'm like, uh, yeah. So I'm just trying to, you know, inform everyone, keep everyone updated, keep everyone watching. Because, you know, even though I'm not playing for the people that know me, like there's still obviously so many great players, people, um, and really just I'm just so excited to watch the season too. Um, I'm just super intrigued with all the, um, the free agency moves and, um, also the jerseys. We're going to sneak that in real quick. The jerseys are awesome. I'm so excited. Yes. Um, <laughs> see how everything plays out and the fact that it's the 25th season. Um, it's just going to be a super fun year just to watch. And so, yeah, I've just been really trying to keep everyone, um, updated and keep them, you know, in with the WNBA. Yes, you bring up those jerseys. They are incredible. Um, it is awesome to see like year 25. That's why I say there's so much momentum because last year with the Wubble, I felt like people had to take notice. You were able to turn on any channel and there was any sport you want to watch on. And the WNBA was right there, giving access, giving people the opportunity to easily find games and watch games and watch coverage and watch you know, the, the analysis going on pregame, postgame. It was a lot easier to access WNBA games. And then this year, as they've been doing a tremendous job rolling out season 25 and the announcements around it and preparing for it, then you have the, the jerseys that came out. It is phenomenal to see, like, the way the momentum has built and the way that, you know, it is moving in the right direction. And I love that you said, hey, keep that league pass. You better still be watching. I don't care if I'm on the floor or not. You watch every game you can watch and keep up because I do think that's something that, you know, when people talk about how they can help and how we can make that change happen, you have to invest in in the WNBA, you know, in some way or another. But the jerseys, did you did you got did you, you know? How, I know it was leaked that some of the jerseys were leaked, and I did see that come out because that's what people always do. But I actually liked it. I was like, you know what? That's great. People are so excited they're leaking yeah. the jerseys. <laughs> but um, for as players, you know, the conversation that you guys have had around just the excitement of the jerseys and everything. I know you're a little bit more removed being that you are injured, but were you, you know, give us your first reactions, I should say first, when you saw the jerseys come out. 
Yeah. At first I was like, these are sick. Like I was freaking out. I'm like, send it to everyone. I'm like, these are crazy. Um, people are sending them to me, you know? And I'm like, man, I wish I could be a part of it. So I could get one, you know, but, um, but yeah, they're just so cool. Like every team, like literally every teams are super cool. So it's just awesome that we even get to get new jerseys and celebrate it um, in that way. So yeah, but they're literally, they're all so cool. Like, I mean, I'm obviously biased to one, but um, I could, I could probably think of a couple that are underrated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. If you had to pick one, that's your favorite, not to put any pressure on you. Okay. Well, I obviously the Atlanta um, with the blue, like iridescent, like that's the awesome one, um, the rebel one. And then the, I'm trying to think. Okay. So my favorite color is orange. And so Connecticut's orange ones are pretty mm. sick. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the, the orange is like, it's like a, an actual fire orange <laughs> that is like with the trim. And it, yeah, I can see that. I like the Phoenix with the, I, I always like when jerseys have the cool transition of colors. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like that's, that looks really good too. Um, but I also like the themes that the the the, the, blah, 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 the different jerseys have. That also is really cool to me too. So I I don't know that I could pick a favorite, but I do. That fire Connecticut is if orange is your favorite color. That's like yeah, yeah I can see that. <laughs> I can see that without a doubt. <laughs> so you know, as we're moving forward and and specifically looking at the Atlanta Dream, I know news just came out that you guys are the first team, of course, you hire Renee Montgomery, who I had a chance to speak with a couple months back. Um, that's a historic move. Now you have your broadcast team, four black women, friends of mine. I'm so excited for them to have the chance to be on your broadcasts for games. You know, the Atlanta Dream continue to be at the center of it all. And first of all, I think what better team Atlanta is obviously a city in general that has a lot of black excellence and business and entrepreneurs and so much that's going on. But for the team as a whole, you guys continue to move and press and press the needle. So that hats off to all of you. But do you continue to have these conversations? Like what? I know Renee Montgomery is at the forefront of all of this without a doubt, but I'm so interested to know from the players, you know, kind of your, your thoughts on all of this being a, that you're on a team that is literally driving the WNBA right now. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like I said in the beginning, it's super special to be a part of, you know, um, who would have thought, you know, during the wobble, we would have had a chance to like sway our ownership and um, the Georgia Senate seat, like who would have thought, you know, and then recently with Renee becoming part of the ownership group um, and yeah, having um, four black female um, analyst. It's going to be, it's just so cool to be a part of. Um, and I obviously wish I was there competing with everyone, but I'm so excited to see it all, you know, come to fruition and um, just, yeah, watch and watch everyone. And I'm excited to just tune in really. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a great time. It's a great time for anybody. If you have not already tuned in and been able to um, find a way, whether it's getting a Jersey or getting the league pass, whatever it is, it's not too late because I have a feeling season 25 is going to be one for the books literally. And it's exciting that we are, you know, seeing so much momentum building leading up to the tip off of the, you know, the start of the season officially, but I'm definitely interested to know for you as a player, you know, looking back 
who has always been your driving force, your role model, the person that, you know, you emulated your game after or that really inspired you as a player growing up? I know we talked about those surreal moments when you were able to see those players and walk and have conversations with Candace Parker fresh off the golf course and things like that. But who was always your motivator and role model growing up as a player? Uh, that's a good question. I would say, I mean, you grow up and you're automatically fans of like Sue and Diana, but I think a couple people that um, were kind of under the radar for me that I think back and that I was like super like enthralled with were Candace Parker and Skylar Diggins, um, Diggins Smith now, um, because yes. they were my, it's because they were mixed. They were balling curly hair. Like I had the Skylar Diggins, like rap headbands, like all of that. I'm like, they're mixed and good at basketball. So I can be mixed and good at basketball. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like, that was, that was like the the coolest thing I think for me growing up, just seeing them like in that position um, and being successful and um, hopefully, and then growing up now, um, joining them is really cool, but um, obviously not as successful as them <laughs> so far, but um, just even cool to be, you know, a part of it. Wow. Well, first of all, you still have time. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think something you said is like they're mixed, they're, they're good, they're successful, I can too. And that representation, I know we have a lot of conversation around like black and white, but as you just shared, um, not only just as a, as a mixed athlete, but also even curly hair, like representation matters on so many, <laughs> on so many levels. It's not just your, your race. It's not just, you know, something as specific as race. It could be you know, um, your hair, your height, your build. You know, I think for me as one of the things that I always in struggled with as a kid was just the fact I was always tall and skinny. And I'm like, I was one of the taller, skinnier kids in like everything. So it wasn't until I got older when I started realizing and seeing other tall, skinny women, I'm like, oh, it's okay. That is perfectly fine that I'm, you know, whatever. So um, <laughs> that representation is so, so key of knowing that it's okay However you look, whoever you are, come as you are, you're beautiful in your own way, and that's perfectly fine. So representation matters. And now you hopefully are someone that other kids that are have curly hair and are mixed are able to look up to as well. But I actually want to take that a step further because this is a unique um, experience that I don't know of. You know, I, I know of being an athlete as a, as a black girl, but as a mixed player, I'm curious to know if you had the, a lot of moments where you were where you were kind of put in your place where people or they try to put you in your place of you're different, you look different, your hair is different as a player that you dealt with. I'm sure in life you have, I'm, not, I'm sure we have stories for days, but as a player specifically in sports, how you dealt with that. Yeah. I mean, I was very similar to you. Um, grew up tall, lanky, mixed, um, you know, and I was, I was also always the tallest no matter what, you know, in middle school and high school, um, people would call me BG, like Brittany Griner. And I'm like, Hey, she's out there balling. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, she's out there balling. So call me that all you want. Um, but yeah, so like they try to do that to like put you down. But I mean, to be called Brittany Griner, I'm like, uh, that is completely fine with me because she's out there hooping. So, <laughs> <becoming>. <laughs> so yeah, I would say there are those, um, those little things, um, like that, like I said, they try to like put you down, but, um, I, I was not phased by that. <laughs> yeah. And that is, that is tough as a kid, especially when you are, 
being compared to, gosh, I, again, the comparisons I have, I was compared, somebody called me Snoop Dogg. Somebody said I looked like, I was like, oh, like, no. okay. Yeah. I was like, eh. um, so, you know, the, I, of course, I still to this day, I don't, I'm not a curvy person. Like you, you, I'm just not. So there were always those comments. But again, as a kid, you're like, all right, <laughs> why are you calling me this? Why are you treating me this way? But it isn't until you get older that you really understand it, it really is okay to be different and you should be celebrated for it. It's not, it's not bad. If someone says you look like Brittany Griner or, or they remind you of her, Hey, I'll take that. And I hope that I'm just as successful as she is one day. Um, because that is something that, you know, unfortunately a lot of people try to bully you in that sense. So for you as a player, then specifically working through the challenges as a kid to get to where you are today, that's, that's no easy task. It's not like, Contrary to what people believe, it's not like you just woke up one day, we're good at basketball, I'm like, eh, I think I want to play in the WNBA and play professional ball. You know, it's, it's a grind. So what was that transition moment for you going from I'm a good player to I can play at a really high level? Um, I would say probably, this is actually later than most people might think, but my junior year in college, um, I was really just thinking, you know, I don't necessarily want to be done with basketball yet. And um, I was doing pretty well that year. And so um, I, I think it was my like final two games my junior year in the Big East tournament. Um, They're pretty big games for me. And I just wanted to keep that going. So um, I was just in the gym working really hard. I obviously worked hard previous to that too. But um, I think that was really the, a pivotal moment to where I was like, all right, I think I want to keep playing and I want to do it at a high level. Um, Playing later than yeah. most people. But I always, too, like, grew up as a kid wanting to be, like, a professional basketball player. And then, like, middle school and high school, you're just out there playing. High school, you play to get a college scholarship. And then and then that stuff kind of, like, put gets to the back of your mind a little bit. But then it came a little bit more to the forefront that um, that junior year, I would say. That is something because I do feel like when you're growing up, your your goal, of course, everybody always says they want to be a professional. Whatever sport they play, everybody wants to be a professional. And then reality sets in and you're like, oh, I want to play in college. But it isn't until you're in college and you start, especially for you, um, playing with Creighton, when you start to realize just how close you are and you're playing with some of the best teams and some of the best players. And you're like, you know what? I think I can do this. And the NCAA tournament and the postseason in general – does give you the opportunity. I feel like a lot of players really make their mark in the, in March Madness because it's the biggest stage, the most eyes on you, the toughest time. And if you're able to step up in that moment, it says a lot about who you are as a player. So how did your college experience with the Blue Jays really help propel you to that next level? I think every college coach, team, everybody has something different that kind of helps you make that transition. What do you think was it that helped you make that transition into the pros? Um, I would say I actually, so I actually redshirted my freshman year. And so I like attribute a lot of my success to that because I just was, I played three sports in high school. So basketball was never my like main sport. Um, and so just to be able to focus on basketball for the first time in my life, really. Um, and just, you know, I was, I redshirted. So I was working out more than anyone, practicing, lifting, um, really just found out like how hard you have to work to like make it um, and dedication and then just brought that, you know, to the rest of my um, career really. And so I definitely attribute a lot of that to that and, and my coaching staff that helped me through that. Obviously um, my, um, 
my position coach, um, Chevy, she was like the like queen of individual workouts. Like she helped, has helped me so much. Um, she would even watch like film over overseas this past year and like help me <laughs> with what I should, we should be doing. And so, um, I attribute a lot of success to that, but, um, yeah, I definitely would say my red shirt year, um, was, um, a year of growth that has helped me tremendously. So what you're saying is this red shirt year will help you grow again because technically this is kind of like a red shirt year. So what I'm getting from this is your biggest growth happened in that year you redshirted as a freshman in college, which I agree. I do think I never redshirted, but I do feel like a lot of players, it helped them a lot to be able to have an extra year to lift, to train, to just kind of like take a step back. So basically – next year you're just gonna you're gonna blow up is what you're saying okay <laughs> I don't know <laughs> basically what I'm getting from this is this is now your WNBA red shirt year and next year you know no pressure or anything but next yeah, year <laughs> that works for me let's do it <laughs> perfect perfect so as you're continuing to rehab what have you been working on what's next for you what Anything that you've taken on um, in this time that you've been working on personally or professionally? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say just the ball handling has been my biggest thing on the court right now. Um, even though, you know, I was when I wasn't able to really stand or like be in a bin position, I was out in my garage sitting in a chair, like doing ball handling, like back to the like total basics. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's been uh, something I've definitely focused on. Um, I think just, you know, also being super appreciative of like my time at home right now. Um, cause I mean, after this last year, you know, we had the pandemic and then, um, to get ready for the bubble wobble, I moved up to Omaha to work out with my Creighton coaches, um, went to the wobble and only had like four to five days back at home before going to Russia. And so, um, I was like not at home, like for the longest time. And so, um, just being super appreciative of just where I'm at right now. And so I have this saying, like, be where your feet are. And so that's kind of just what my mantra has been right now. So to just take it day by day and um, just work hard. Be where your feet are. I like that. That's yeah. basic, and but it's very, very effective. Okay, that's a great concept because, as you mentioned, uh, even just from your journey and transitions from – Creighton in the WNBA to Russia to an to a pandemic to an in, well not in that order but a pandemic an injury you know it it is helpful I'm sure to stay literally grounded by remembering to be where your feet are and not getting lost in all that that is changing. Well, it yeah. sounds like I like I said next year big things year season twenty six <laughs> in the WNBA your well technically I guess it could be your second season. Um, it's going to be a big season for you. So I'm excited to see you get back on the floor, you know, and also as you're transitioning and, and as you mentioned, just being more appreciative when you are able to now start working out, start playing, start, you know, practicing fully, getting into games, you know, it does make you appreciate the game that much more. But where can our listeners, I know I have it on here too, but where can they continue following you to keep up with what you've got going on in your career? Because as I said, for everybody listening, Next year, Jalen Agnew is going to blow up. So you better follow now. Get on board now. Get that season pass, all that, the jersey, all of that now. Um, start following the dream because, yes, it's happening. We're speaking it into existence. So we're going to follow you. 
<laughs> yeah, let's manifest it. Um, Jalen underscore Agni, I believe, is most of my um, social media. Um, I would say I'm a, I'm pretty funny on TikTok, too, if anyone wants, wants to follow me there. Um, I just posted one the other day about watching film, um, and so that one was pretty funny. A lot of mine have to do with basketball, but some are just funny ones, so pretty good. <laughs> TikTok is different. I am not on TikTok, but it's definitely – it's funny. It's I'll give you that. I'm. I feel like if you're a really witty person, which I could see you being a really like witty funny person, then TikTok is your thing. But I feel like I'm like a corny funny person, so I don't think that TikTok would work well for me. So no, it would work because like I think of stuff, but then it's like oh, someone's already thought of that, so mm. it's like it's still funny to me, but it's not as funny, you know. To where like you could be like more original with yours, and people would think it's hilarious. So you never know. But TikTok That's is true. That's true. Okay, I'll give you that. One day I will maybe get a TikTok. <laughs> but for now, everybody can follow you on TikTok instead and Twitter, Instagram, wherever else. But I do really appreciate you taking time to join us on the show because as, I, as you have already shared, you've been through a lot over the last year and some change. You've got a lot of great things that are coming in the future for you. We're speaking that into existence and stepping into it. Um, and I wish you all the best in your recovery and your training to get back to 100%. So thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Headlines. It's been a pleasure thank having you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs>